Well, welcome back to another episode of The Miles Driven with me, Miles. Gorl and Doug. Gorl and Doug? From me, Sam. Okay. I was going to say that you're not going to complete that one, but then you came back. Um, well, your, your foreign languages are certainly back, mate, which is good. It's a welcome return. Do I get any clues on this? No. Well, you had a clue for me listening okay. to it a second ago. But you said it... I, I, okay. It wasn't what they said at the beginning, because that was, you can speak your people around these areas. Icelandic. Ah. Oh. I, I will admit to the listeners that I heard on the recording that you were listening to someone say Danish and something else. And I said, oh, is it Nordic? And you yeah. tried to throw me by saying no. But Icelandic and... Oh, yeah, I know. Danish, but- <laughs> I, I've got, yeah. And it's funny, I heard a... Um, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, I've got some family that live in Sweden. And there was this thing where they, they showed me a comedian. They found this hilarious, by the way. I, it went over my head. But there was a comedian who was saying, oh, in Iceland, they say that we must learn another Scandinavian language as well as English. They learn Icelandic, English, and then another Scandinavian language. Yeah. And the majority of the time, it's Danish. And the crowd is all, oh, this is, this is the most the funniest thing they've heard. Right. Sounds I, brilliant. I was sat there. Um, what a rib tickler. Yeah. And it turns out that Danish, I think, is the one that's least connected to the others. Right. Okay. So it, like, if you learnt Swedish, then it would be easier for you to go, say, to Norway. Norway and Sweden, I think, have a bit of crossover. And I think Danes are not too bad understanding some of Swedish. Finns, I, I think they, you have to live in the centre of the earth to, to have anything similar. Oh, okay. But the Finns obviously learn, quite a lot of them learn Swedish as well. So Swedish is the one you would learn. And they get taught Danish. Right. So there was okay. a big joke about that, which I'm sure it's gone over most of the listeners' head. Apart from it's those... It's gone over mine. There we do here. We do have, I've seen in the, the analytics, uh, we do have some listeners in, in, in the northern parts of Europe. So they're, they're probably sat there falling off their chair. Well, we'll have a little jingle there. Da, da, da. Geography with Miles. There we go, yeah. <laughs> that's, gonna... that's definitely becoming a regular feature. <laughs> Geography with Miles. <laughs> Add the little tune. Okay. Da, it's da, not always da. Geography with Miles. Yeah. <laughs> not always geography, though. Just anything, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's going to be used probably four or five times in this podcast alone. Okay. <laughs> just for <laughs> we anything. Could end, we could end it with that. Da, da, da. Yeah. Thanks for listening. So, uh, a friend of ours... He's not keen. I can tell. No, no. <laughs> well, this was like when you had your, your bell for every time I mentioned... Uh, mentioned. Oh, we, sh- we should say thank you to Mum for buying a bell for the podcast that yeah. we've just we, put we'll on a shelf and ding. haven't used. That didn't show up on the things. Hold on. It did. There you go. It did twice. Sorry to everyone sure who heard my chair creaking and then me having to get it. But yeah, there we go. We do, we do use the bell. Yeah. Occasionally. Well, you use it for asking for dinner, I believe. It's brilliant for that. <laughs> doesn't get me very far, but it's brilliant for it. <laughs> so as, as I think Sam said on the previous podcast, we're so holding... We do have, we have another friend. <laughs> 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 we're, we're holding back listener questions for the 50th episode so that we've got um, a bigger variety for that episode. But... We a friend of ours messaged in a, a group chat the other day, and he was watching was it Barcelona. From it, it was yes, and he said, um, "Have you done a race report for that?" No. Do you know what? Uh, oh, anybody would think you got married or something. I know this is the only thing that's re- it's hell. I mean, in fairness, it'll be after Monaco by the time this one comes out. Uh, yeah, so actually, it probably will be up by then, okay. and hopefully, I hope so. <laughs> by the time this one's up, Monaco will be up as well. So okay. So yes is the answer. You yeah, say so yes yeah. and save yourself yeah, of, course, a of abuse. Of course, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was watching that Grand Prix and he's 
I'd say he's good. He's always been kind of interested in Formula One, but it's like well, a distant fan. He sort of picks a driver in a team. Yeah. And just goes, yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, he's got into it a little bit more recently, I'd say. He seems yeah. to watch more of the races. He used well, to... yeah, because I'll come back to my phone because that was the day when I actually my phone was in for repair. Oh, yeah, it was. So I came yeah, back yeah. to my phone. Well, and... do you want to tell everyone what happened? Well, I dropped it on the floor. And then had to get a new... Well, I, I actually... My partner also had an issue with hers, but hers was a bit more drastic because her screen went slightly blue-tinged. Okay. In the still morning. Work? In the morning. Oh, right, in the morning, okay. And then she just thought, well, I'll sort that out tonight when I get home Yeah. because she was running late for work, as yeah. always. But then by the time she got get to that work, one in there, just in case well, she doesn't listen. No. Um, <laughs> but my mum does. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so she'll tell her. By the time she got to work, it had started to go dark blue, but it had started to slowly creep down the screen. So oh, she said right. she sent me a okay. screenshot. Yeah. 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 Um, and showed me. And then basically rang me just in a massive blind panic saying, Okay, I've got a tiny screen, a tiny strip of blue at the bottom. I can't see anything. I don't know what to do. I'm going to lose everything. My life's over. I might as well <laughs> just kill myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, she had to go and she went to this chap and asked him about, she rang a few people and asked about getting a new screen. And she then she spoke to a couple of people who gave her a bit of guff here and there. And then yep. she spoke to this chap. He said, if anybody's offered you it at this price, it's not a genuine part. Oh, I think I remember you mentioning this to me, actually. So she, and, and she said, well, they've said it is like genuine Huawei parts for her phone. Yeah. Because I wouldn't buy a Huawei. Yeah. Um, and he said, look, it's not. He said, but what I do is I, you can buy like replacement units. Has it got to be programmed? Has it sort of, I know no, this thing I don't, with I don't certain think phones, you've got to like, pro, it, it has to match or it won't work. Like, I don't, oh, it's, exactly, it's exactly the same phone. Right. So okay. you just buy it, basically bought a whatever it is, a, Oh, I see what um, you're saying. He basically just bought another phone and he just he took the motherboard out of her phone and just put it in this new phone. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. to be fair, it does work and it is basically now a brand new phone. The battery's as good as it was when she first got it. So he did the same with mine. So Although doing... he couldn't get blue for mine. So the back of my phone is navy blue. He yeah. couldn't get navy blue for me. So I've now got a navy blue and rose gold phone. Mm-hmm. So beat that. Bet there's no other Samsungs like that out there. No, well, there might be, but but Sam's not the only one in, in this room, that's for sure. <laughs> With the Samsung, yes. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I was getting that, and then to bring it back around to what I was actually saying, um, before you sent me off on a tangent, where I'm guessing you were doing something, which is why you sent me off on a tangent. Um, yeah, well, I needed to find the, the messages. And... <laughs> <laughs> but I came back to about 120 messages from you two talking about some sort of Formula One topic. Yes. So I it. don't actually know what you've said about this because okay. I just skipped through all the messages and said, hi, I'm back, and then For, didn't well, read them. Fortunately, at least you're quite knowledgeable on the subject, so we'll, we can go through it. But uh, it's interesting what you were saying about the phones there because that's kind of what um, some Land Rover specialists and a couple of Mercedes specialists seem to be doing now with old vehicles. Oh, really? As in they're buying the supply of them. Right. And then just marking which one's good, which one's bad, and it's a bit like if you've ever seen uh, airplane graveyards where oh, they really? take the, okay. they take all the good bits and, and just... they decide that one there is going to get all the good bits and the other ones are just donor cars and that's the end of their life. There's know? a chap on my on the street that leads to my street. I don't know if you've noticed when you've been driving down the hill. He's got two Lexus IS200s on his driveway. I haven't noticed that. As you start to come down the hill next time you come around, it's on the left-hand side. Yeah, okay. He's got, obviously he's bought a donor 
IS200. Yeah, and he's just got an IS200. He's got a silver and a blue one. I'm not sure which is which because I haven't really studied. I've just seen that he's got two. There's a, there's a great saying. I think this is amongst all classic car communities where for some to live, many must die. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you, you have to take the roughest ones off the road. And it pains them to do even that because they're trying to save these vehicles. But yeah. Some of the, an underrated uh, car, actually. I'd probably buy one of those. The IS200 or just the IS in general? Oh, the IS200. I thought, yeah, I always yeah. thought it was quite a nice looking car. I'd do an IS, I think, 350 as well, which I think has a V6, which is nice. I've driven that. Oh, okay. I think it's a 350, but I know it's got a V6. I think that one's got a 2-litre, which, again, I think it's a good engine. Yeah. Um, they do the ISF, if you want the 5-litre. Yeah, that's a normal I just one. remember when they were... Like sort of really I common. I just thought they were quite they, nice cars. Lexus stopped selling them. I'm going to have a look while you're and, uh, scrolling through and talking. I'm going to have a quick look and see how much they are. So the question that come in, uh, well, that my friend was asking at the start of this, I think he caught the, he sort of tuned in a bit early. I think he caught the. Oh, that's always a mistake. You have to watch <laughs> F3. Yeah, he either caught F3 or W series. I can't remember what was on. Sam's not a big fan of the supporting races, whereas uh, my, our friend knew. Uh, that they're I okay. Was. I mean, I'll watch them if they're on. Yeah, but I won't tune in to watch them if you like and he's uh, to be honest i'm much the same with formula one at this season at the moment it's just a bit processional um his question was it just made me curious to know how significant a difference there is between an f1 car and an f3 car and i did sort of just quickly explain why there's also f2 in between that Mm -hmm. Um, and then you've got the w series as well which is women's series and so they've got a different class of car um which is probably you're trying to sort of get them in your head. You've got obviously F1, which is the, the pinnacle. F2 and F3 are your feeder series. W series is sort of, I would put it as the women's feeder series into F1. It just, some people are critical of it. Some people like it. I'm not going to put an opinion on it. I don't know enough about it. I'd say the cars are probably F3-esque in that, er- yeah, in that area. Okay. Um, I can't say I've ever seen it, to be honest. The racing? No. Uh, I've, no, I've never even seen it advertised as it's on if you want to watch it. I think they run a uh, lower number of races per season. And so the crossover. It's uh, good that they have it. I'd just like to put it out there. Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely uh, agree with But for, for example, because Barcelona, I think, is on all of the calendars, it's also, you know, it's the testing oh, okay. race and everything else. Uh-huh. So on that particular weekend, you have them all happening, which is why he managed to catch a different race series. Whereas sometimes F1 is it's just F1. Yeah. Uh, whereas other ones they get it's like monaco i didn't realize it's monaco everyone thinks oh, they close monaco for the grand prix they close monaco and they have a load of racing before the grand prix happens oh really it was uh, it was in the news if you're listening to this when this comes out it'd been a few weeks ago now but charles leclerc had crashed nicky lauder's old ferrari oh, he, wow, he okay. just lost the back end and the back end went into the uh, corner it'll need a, a bit of extensive rebuilding on the rear but that's the classic f1 series and that's week. That was oh, two weeks before F1 goes there, so they do have quite a lot yeah. of other stuff going on when they close it for F1. So they close that track and they have other other race series happening. But I wanted to to explain this to the listeners. So I thought there is we know that there's more interest in Formula One this year and last year than there has been for for quite some time. Just quickly, can I just quickly? Yeah, go on. You're going to talk about on my Lexus. Yeah, yeah. When I say the IS two hundred, I just mean because that was the that's like the oldest one. Like yeah, the two fifties are the newer, the facelifted newer ones. Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking. When I Sorry, said a good that's looking why car, I, that, I just meant the IS two hundred. That, that's why I asked. Do you mean the IS or the IS two hundred? Oh, okay. That was the question. Because right. whether it's are you being specific to that one? Oh or? yeah, yeah. That that one. I yeah. just thought it's sort of more squared. 
yeah, yeah. Newer it ones. sort of yeah, ran just... from about 2000 2004 yeah about that yeah just a nice car they've got a, do you know what the they... is 300 yeah do you know what that is v6 well no it's also a uh, like a sportback oh i see yeah and they like they're, they're imports i think as well yeah from japan just interesting they also did uh, the gear change. By the way, if you if you are in the in the market for an old Lexus, gear change on those ISs, old ISs, is fantastic. Are they all it's the really... IS two hundreds? Are they all automatics? No, because no, the, one, the ones I found were. Uh, show me, just show me what one of the ones you looked at. Oh, Let me just check on, check we're talking about the same car. Well, I remember driving me. one that did. I think it was a part exchange came in, and I thought, well. It was a bit old at the time, and we always gave the part exchange a run, and I decided I'll take it a bit further because the people that had brought it in, their car wasn't going to be ready for a few hours, or the te- or the, the car that they wanted was going on demo, so you try and buy a little bit of time, and I thought, well, I'll just take their car for a longer run. Yeah, yeah. I just I haven't, I haven't zoomed in on it. It just looked like an automatic. No, no, that, that general... Uh, have you got another? Let me just... Sorry, run on it. Yeah, yeah, that's the generation. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. did do it. I would imagine it's just that the the automatics are popular. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or the the, the or all the manuals are being <laughs> yeah. kept by yeah. people that like the manual, and they're not selling them as often as people who are selling the uh, yeah the autos. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, this season is seeing a lot more interest, and people are also catching the uh, the feeder series, the, the the lower down series within, let's say, your F three, F two, W series. And actually, if you enjoy racing, those are probably, they're, they're slightly shorter races, so people go for it a little bit more, because there isn't this, right, can you conserve it, and we've got another 10 laps, and then we've got this strategy to try and do this. There, yeah. there is a little bit more, just kind of go for it. The cars are a bit smaller, they're less powerful, they don't have the energy recuperation systems because they're trying to keep the costs down. I think we watched an F3 race the last time you stayed at mine, which I can't Probably. remember when that was, but yeah, yeah. I think it was just early in the morning and it was on, and we did enjoy watching it. To be oh, fair, I quite enjoyed it, because it is much more um, standardised. Yeah, and and that's the thing, is that, so in the message I sent to our friend, and I sent him a, a nice long message so he could it's, really get his teeth into if it. You, if, you, if you're looking at WhatsApp on your phone, it's about five screens. It's where you get read more at the bottom of the message. Yeah. And you Do you know you can, get, you can get that twice? Can you? Yeah. I sent a message. Oh, I've never once, achieved that. And it said read more, and then it says read more again. Wow. There you go, Maybe just knew you to achieve it. Yeah. And people have fallen asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> read more and wake up. Yes. So uh, all F3 cars are essentially mandated to be the same. You can, I said, in the message I put here, I said, so unlike F1 where you've got guidelines, but they, they essentially say in the guidelines of F1 that they're trying to make sure the cars are similar but they want there to be some creative input. And this is why, just a very easy example, is the rear diffuser. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you look at the rear of an F1 car, you've got the big spoiler on the back, the rear wheels, and then in between the rear wheels, you've got a space. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that space there is what F1 cars use as, as a diffuser. And what they're doing is they're bringing air from the bottom of the car up to create a, basically a suction at the back of the car. And interestingly, Ferraris, because I think this goes back to Enzo, but he didn't want spoilers on the back of Ferraris. Right, okay. So Ferraris have used in their production cars sort of Venturi tunnels and all this sort of design for years. Mm -hmm. Years and years and years because they needed to create downforce. How do you think he felt about the F40 and the F50? I think that might have been sort of 
you know, a questionable time frame. Although the designers... You can't get those without, can you? No. The, the designers could have said, look, if you want the ultimate car, it's like creating an F1 car. The F1 cars had spoilers. in the problem with that. Yeah, of course. So there is... I think he was a at least somewhat reasonable man, but I didn't know him, so... Well, the LaFerrari hasn't. Well, it sort of has. The Enzo doesn't either. No. I mean, the FXX Enzo did, but that's because... You know, the LaFerrari's got the sort of slidey Yeah, this is what bench. they do, though. They do this sort of uh, duck tail. Yeah. Like, it just sort of t- turns up, but nothing more. There's no actual spoiler mm-hmm. to it. And so in, in F1, that area at the back of the car has an opening, and that will allow air to pass out the back of the car. Now, within the rules, there's a maximum size that can be, and then you can be to a minimum size. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do that is to allow for different teams to have different variations of how they channel air throughout the car. So some of how you get innovation, isn't it? It's exactly that. And how you get different teams coming up with different answers to a similar problem. Yeah. If you just said it must be this size. Then everyone's going to do the same thing because there is a finite, perfect way of doing it. Exactly. And it dictates what then you do on the side of the car. What you do ahead of the front wheel. And then everybody will look the same. And then everyone. Yeah. This is like they had a rule. Oh, was it about 2000? 11 2012 something like that and all the cars just came out with the front with a nose that just looked the same it was because yeah. it was because they said the front of the nose has to dip to a certain point but they didn't specify how and so they all just put these long phallic shapes oh yes i just dip yeah, yeah. down and the only reason <laughs> they existed was to say well the bottom of that is in line with the rules yeah but yeah but it's it really is breaching the rules because we we designed it so that you'd start the spoiler uh, start the the front wing there well yeah but that's not the most efficient way of doing it the rules say we can just do that so we've just done that and all the cars came out and did the same thing yeah was, that was quite funny so there are some occurrences like that where teams will be creative with the rules we've seen it this season mercedes started the the season with practically no side pod then they've gone back and changed the design aston martin did they change it I see. That's how little attention I paid to Barcelona. Have they changed it back to having actual side pods? To having uh, not they're not as big as say Ferrari has got very wide side pods, and they they yeah. had a whole design well, around it. Like a bathtub. Yeah, on the, that top bit mm. is you know you could actually when it rains, I mean it really must store some water. In yeah, there. you have mechanics washing their hands, <laughs> yeah. thinking it's the workshop sink. Yeah, you got Charles with his little drink straw, but just going in. Yeah, just the going into fresh yeah. water. Unlike Kimi Raikkonen, he will not need a drink. No. <laughs> I wonder if Kimi Raikkonen ever got that problem solved with Alfa Romeo. Oh, yeah. All those seasons, and they kept breaking his water bottle. Well, that's Ferrari. Season after season. But then at Alfa as well. Yeah, then it happened at Alfa as well. Yeah, yeah. You'd think they would have mastered that bit, because it was down <laughs> by his shoe, wasn't it, to balance out yeah. aerodynamics. Anyway, we're getting off topic. And I know Sam's desperate to stay on topic for this one. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> so because what that does though as much as it pushes for innovation having these mixes of where this has to be and saying oh, it can be up to this or as low as this so that there's a different ethos throughout the car but within a certain sort of maximum difference if you like yeah that costs a lot of money because every team is trying to come up with an answer to the same problem which means you have to develop it and think about it 20 times essentially yeah, oh, sorry, you're, 10 that, times, you're also then worrying about what everyone else has done what everyone else has done could you could you have done something else so you spend more money and more money and more money because it, it's so valuable to be one place ahead oh, of course it is two places ahead five places ahead. we've seen mercedes drift backwards this year we've seen Haas fire up the order yeah this year and you know you think of how much money is lost and uh, gained through sponsorships and all this sort of stuff from being 
a position ahead, two positions ahead, whatever it may be. So there's a lot of money at stake. With the F3 races, they're trying to get younger drivers, and we're talking 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 16-year-olds. I'm not sure if 16-year-olds. I can't think of any 16-year-olds that were competing, but Verstappen was there at 17, and I think he went into the F1 Series 18. I think he yeah. was the youngest he was, driver. He's, he the, he's the youngest winner from Vettel. He I took think, it from oh, Vettel. Ham, I think Hamilton had it. Oh, did he? Okay. Well, I'm not saying the youngest winner. I'm just oh, saying okay, the youngest sorry. driver. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think um, you're right on that one. And there might have been someone that's taken it. I don't know whether... I think Verstappen's the youngest winner. He was. Quite quite possibly. That's, that's taking it off him. I don't Ooh. know. Don't know. Don't know. I'll well, find out. Yeah, there we go. Um... Now, what I was going to say is with F3, that what they're trying to do is they're trying to develop their racing skills in something that is getting close to Formula One racing. But to be able to do that, you can't have huge, huge you know, ginormous costs for every single race. So the race series is a bit shorter. But crucially, the cars are essentially mandated to be the same. So then you have one supplier for a lot of the key parts. And that means that one supplier can just provide it at a set price. There's no oh, well, if we design it this way, we can get a cheaper part for this, and if we design it this way, we can get that part from this company, and, and et cetera, et cetera. It's just, you know, if they break a rear wing or a, you know, part of the engine breaks, there's a manufacturer, and it's going to be the same cost to them as someone else. So that's where it helps. Sorry, Sam, did you want to jump in? Or? Yeah, so it is currently, winner-wise, where yeah. Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, Charles Leclerc. Is that for championship or race win? Race win. Race win. Yeah, of course, because uh, Leclerc wouldn't be there, would he? Okay. So that's... Not unless that article's looked in the future. Ooh. 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 Maybe it's Mystic well, Legs back. Leclerc keeps spinning off the track. I don't know if it's going to... Well, yeah, but he's still second, isn't he? So, Who's first? I think Leclerc's first. No, Max is. No, he's not. If he won the race on Sunday, he took... The, the, I remember them saying it in commentary. If he won the oh, race, he took sorry. the lead. Do you know what? You're right, Sam. I'm thinking of the teams. Red, yeah. Because Red Bull are still... I think Ferrari have got a 30-ish point lead yeah. in the construct. Well, Verstappen's winning. By the there. time this comes out, Monaco would have happened. And so yeah. we're, we're saying stuff that could be <laughs> yeah. completely wrong. Now, the next part I wanted to go into is... Um, oh, I understand opening teams. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm having to go through my notes. Because I want to explain it as I explain it to my friend because he seems quite happy with my explanation. <laughs> and when you're, as I say, when you're on a podcast, you can forget things. So it's better if it's written down and I can say, right, I've said about cost, I've said about design. So there's two of the key reasons. Now, after that, you've got the actual engine itself. In F3, people will notice that the engines do sound a lot more aggressive. So yeah, they do. Yeah. You get pops and bangs and this sort of yeah, stuff. Well, you get there. flames as well. <laughs> flames. And that's because they don't have these energy recuperation systems and electronic boosts that F1 has. Yeah, they don't, they don't have DRS, do they? Oh, Ooh. good question, Sam. And I don't think I put that in this answer. No. So there's something for you. <laughs> Another thing that I'll have to find yeah. out. <laughs> but the, the whole point, if we're comparing F3 to F1, is they, they've just been powered by the engine. And so, again, rather than having very expensive, complex electrical systems recuperating energy and everything else that F1 does to give it the most amount of power possible and the most amount of efficiency, F3 isn't so worried about that because it's about honing the race they skill do. of the drivers. They do have, they do have DRS. Yes. Is it deployable in the same areas? Do you know? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I was going to say, so you've probably heard... Yeah, the DRS zones will be the same ones used in Formula 1 on every circuit of the calendar. Wow, okay. Yeah, so they, well, it makes sense, actually, when you think about it. Now, 
if you're wondering what these electrical systems are, you've probably heard, as you've sort of been watching either casually or really concentrating on it, a commentator has said something like an MGUH or an MGUK. MGUK is kinetic energy, MGUH heat energy essentially, there's a bit more to it, but we won't go too detailed. But both of those systems are recuperating what would be otherwise lost energy. So you've got braking, for example, you've got the motion of the wheels, you've got heat. This is one of the big things that people say our oh, internal combustion engines are so inefficient because when you think of energy, Sam, in the last podcast, you kept battering know, your um, stand and now you're hitting it again. It wasn't as big a spike this time, though. Good. It's like a background zing. It will be like a, a feature of the podcast from yeah. now on, yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, MGUH, MGUK. Basically, mm-hmm. when in your car that you have, unless you have an electric car, if you've got an internal combustion engine car, it creates a lot of energy. But some of that energy is heat energy. And then people, people don't think about that. But when you heat your house... That's from, it's got to be from an energy source. Otherwise, you won't, you won't have any heat. Whether you're burning fire or whether you're using natural gas. Yeah, of course. So there is an you energy. You can't just create heat from nowhere. <laughs> no. And so when an engine warms up, now we essentially waste that heat. In fact, we go to quite a lot of effort in internal combustion engines to cool them down, mm-hmm. to keep them at a perfect operating temperature. So that a lot of that heat is just lost, just wasted. That's wasted energy, essentially. It's where hybrids that we have today it kind of re- if it's recuperating some of the braking energy and some of this so it's it's trying to make the, the internal combustion engine more and more efficient yeah the mguh just interestingly as a side note that was one of the reasons why i think it was volkswagen group were on the fence with f1 for so long right because there's no way really of ever implementing it into a passenger vehicle okay and that's what they'd be interested in doing it's a test bed I mean, there is obviously the pinnacle of competition. There's the advertising testbed. Aston, you know, uh, Lawrence Stroll has said with Aston Martin, this is a, a way to get the Aston Martin brand out there. As, as part from you know, all the racing, the fact they're in F1, someone's looking at, I don't know, they're comparing a Porsche, a Ferrari, and an Aston Martin like we did in a couple of podcasts yeah. ago. And only two of those companies compete in F1 at the moment. So mm-hmm. if, if you want that real thorough racing bread connection, it it does seem to be working because if you go on the Aston Martin website, their merchandise is pretty much usually always sold out. Yeah, they've got a lot of new and it's fans. not cheap. I, I mean, know it's a, not. a hoodie we're talking about ninety quid for a hoodie. Well, was I with, well, with you the other day when I saw someone in Aston Martin and you know F one? I think it was either a hoodie or a shirt. And I thought, God, that thing's like sixty, seventy quid. Yeah, because I'd I'd love an Aston Martin hoodie. I'm sure. Yeah, but you'd have to wait for your birthday, and you have to wait a long time. Well, for, if you're buying it, yeah. yeah well, I'll wait you, until the end of the earth. I'll get you a voucher for us For a fiver. Yeah, on each birthday. <laughs> yeah. So by the time you're in, retired... Yeah. At which point Vettel won't be racing anymore. I won't be interested. <laughs> but I'll still get you a Vettel one. Yeah, it'll be vintage by the time I'm... <laughs> yeah, worn with holes. So that's one of the big differences, this whole thing of recuperating as much energy as possible. Again, it's not applied to F3 because, again, they're just concentrating on developing race craft. And if you see drivers coming from F3... And not to pick on him at all, but uh, Nikita Mazepin, when he first got in an F1 car and everyone, he just sort of kept going off the track. And people mm-hmm. were, I, I don't want to get into him, whether you like him, don't like him, whatever else. But what I'd say is it's because there's such a big gap between even a very, very fast, competitive, single-seater race car like F3 and F1. The comparison I gave my friend is, if you think of F3 and F2, as like the the absolute top of the mountain for kart racing. Yeah. And when you get into F1, 
what you're actually talking about is sort of the middle-ish or just above the middle of basically aviation level, you know, military aviation, space aviation. Like this, this is where they're talking. That's that's in the category they're in. They've got four wheels, but there was an incident that happened at Barcelona, and I actually, oh, it was um, was it Leclerc that span off or was it Signs? Signs. And then Hamilton the same. No. Oh no, it's Hamilton Max. had an accident. Was it Verstappen? Yeah. Verstappen, yeah. And they both went off the track, and it was because a gust of wind. Yeah. On that corner, caught. And I said, this is the thing: is it's like if you've ever been in an aircraft and it's landed, and you've been juggling left to right, right to left, and you know had a bit of a bouncy landing. And it's because gusting winds affect an aircraft quite a lot because it's made to fly. Well, a Formula One car is like an upside down plane. <laughs> it's, it's sort of designed yeah, no, to be stuck onto yeah. the ground, and it's got wings and everything else, just not as you would see them on a plane, but their design is much closer in aviation in that way and so they can get just blown off a track well not completely blown off a track but they can be unsteadied in the same way as a plane is by gusting winds things like that just because that's the level that's the the jump that we're talking about so they're trying to get f3 drivers as close to that as possible i said my friend the difference was approximately 400 horsepower no f1 team really reveals how many horsepower they have you know you you wouldn't because well, of course you wouldn't, no. If you've managed to get an extra 10 horsepower from the Kerr systems or 10 horsepower from the engine or something, you don't want to tell you competitors that. That's why when Ferrari turned up, everyone, this season, everyone were like, <laughs> yeah. wow, you're going really quickly. Yeah. Oh, are we? Oh, oh. Must oh, just be a bit luck. Shocking. How's yeah. that happened? Yeah. Don't need to talk about that any further. No. Nope. So <laughs> I'd say the gap and we is... definitely don't need to be investigated by No. <laughs> uh, but I'd say the gap is maybe 400 horsepower, but it, there could be more than that between them. And... 400 horsepower when you're talking about cars that weigh nothing yeah i mean we're talking in hundreds of kilos admittedly they're getting closer and closer to the thousand kilo mark in f1 but we're still in the hundreds of kilos lotus elise yeah if which we're is a production car light with a thousand horsepower there was that was that hennessy hennessy venom gt yeah yeah years ago and it was like a lotus elise that they stretched out and put a massive engine in it and they were chasing down the didn't bugatti it, didn't it well it got it didn't it at one point and then bugatti were like well we're not having this so they brought out the they did super the super sport, sport. <laughs> yes that was it yeah so that just shows you know how much power is in so little you weight. would though wouldn't you if you'd spent millions and millions and millions making the veyron oh too right and then some bloke turns up with a stretched out elise that he's just put some bits of plastic on yeah, and it's like, well, we're faster than you. You're like, well, hold on a minute. Let me just uh, actually use some more. Yeah, power yeah. Let engine. me stretch so we didn't this use out. it all because we didn't yeah. think we had to. Yeah, we just wanted to make it as a. Uh, uh, we wanted to try and make it last for a hundred thousand miles, even yeah. though no owner will ever do that. We <laughs> yeah, still exactly. want to make sure it does. Uh, the the other thing I wanted to point out was its reaction time. So, where an F one car starts braking, an F three car isn't braking yet. It's it's all these little aspects, and this is a. a the track just flies by so much faster. So they're trying to get F3 cars up there. But ultimately, there's a cost. Well, I don't think you want to costs... be completely the same because otherwise there's no of point in not. having F3 and F1. No, no, of course not. And say that, that if, if the drivers were F1 quality, they'd be in F1. Yeah. Simple Which as that. they are, the ones that are. Yeah, up. I mean, there's a, there's a very limited um, few exceptions. Piastri, who won... I knew uh, you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, well, only because he's being connected. Oh, he's been connected with Williams to take Latifi's seat, possibly mid-season. Yeah, I I'm always wonder sure. about Latifi because he's 
Well, he's a is pay his, driver. Yeah, but is, it, it, is yeah. his heart in it? Because he's, I mean, he's shown real commitment to Williams. To oh, be he fair. has. He really and has. And he really does put his all into and it. And he did. But how long do you continue with it? Well, he did eventually get the win over uh, Russell, which always had to be his goal because Russell kept yeah, of course, him in, but, a, in a similar car. You know, when you sit down at the end of your career, can you say, oh, yeah, it was. No, I was in Formula One, which to be fair is enough to say you're one of yeah, the I mean, 20 a, best drivers in the world. Yes. But my, my achievement, what were your achievements in F1, Granddad? Well, I did, I did once uh, out-qualify my teammate and finished in front of them in the race. Oh, where did you finish? Has he, 16th. Has he ever had a points? He must have had a points finish. No, he actually. got points way before Russell did. So he had, to be fair, he's finished okay. in the points. But I suppose you could, it's probably a bit of a, a hollow argument because you could use it for 14 of the drivers on the grid, I guess. Oh, this is it, yeah. This is exactly... But a lot. he's, quite, he's a bit older, isn't he? I mean, is, or does he just look older? Because he I looks like he's about thirty-eight. Yeah, no, he's not. He's he's mid twenties, I think. I don't think he's that. Yeah, that so old, maybe so. my argument's completely hollow and is falling down around me now, like a deck of cards. <laughs> well, the, the the challenge would be is you have Piastri, who is a championship-winning driver, in yeah. your reserves, versus look. At the end of the day, if he beat Russell at any point in his career, I'm talking about uh, yeah, Tiffy yeah. now. If he beat Russell in the same car. Russell now is getting, what was he, third in Barcelona? Well, he's been in, in the top, Mercedes. he's the only driver that's been in the top five of every race, and he's beaten Hamilton in every so, race. So I think, it's, did he, yeah, he beat him in this race as well. So, last one. It goes back to this classic thing of... We're recording put, this before Monaco, by the way. Yes. Uh, <laughs> put, it, put it back to this conversation of, if you put, you know, one of those top 20 in the best car, how close do they come to the front? Very close. Yeah, well, I think, I think be... you put anybody in... I think you put any of the drivers on the grid in the Red Bull or the Ferrari, they're going to finish top six. I'm trying to think if there's a... They... If, if they don't crash off, and I know that's a big yeah. if because you, well, at a certain point your talent runs out and you do crash off. This is what I was going to but... explain about F1 is that when people say oh, there's not a lot of racing happening, because of the additional speed over F3, they have to be so locked in to just getting that car, just hustling the thing around the track. Well, I mean, if it seems silly to say, but I think a lot of people have come out and drivers have come out, and it, it makes sense because they use it themselves, have come out and said the F1 game itself is probably the most lo- like to life of games of sport that you can get, if you like. Yeah. And to play that, if you've ever played that, if you haven't, then, you know, you should give it a go. But if you have, if you have played that, you know that you have to be 100% on it. You can't just dawdle around the track doing 50 because you will have no temperature in your tyres. Yeah. You will spin off when you try to go quickly down a straight. As we found, you know, if you spin off and then you come off the gravel and then you try and put your foot down, you just spin round again. Yeah, you just go and back round again. And yeah. usually, usually with us, the most common phrase will be, would you like a restart? Yes. Or us hearing that, da, 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 as da, one of us has da, gone da, into a da, hedge. Da, yeah. da. <laughs> the, the other thing I was just going to mention is so, yeah, that that's the truth of it. If you think of how much you're concentrating and just playing the game, but if you're in the car, well, exactly, it's, it's, to get it around, you're the not track, playing the game there, <laughs> and to get it around the track in a competitive time, and then add in other cars, you know, add in you now have to race, and you know, if you don't get this car in this position on track, you're going to lose a tenth of a second. If you don't get it in this position for the next corner, you're going to lose another tenth, and you need to be competitive every single lap, otherwise you're just going to drift backwards. Yeah. So then you add in. Well, there's a guy behind you or in front of you who you're trying to race. Now, in F3, the target is, and they can design the cars more for, every lap is a racing lap. Yeah. Just go out there and try and win every lap. Rather than, 
they still need to, of course, be near pinpoint perfection on the track. But the punishment for being, you know, five feet wide on this corner, 10 feet wide on the next, not quite as quick down the straight, it's definitely still there. But compared but to how much... it's not losing the race win. No, it's not losing a position, which is generally what happens in F1. Mm-hmm. You'll see someone, you know, they'll, they'll have a few rough corners and, and all it. of a sudden the person yeah. behind them is right up on their gearbox. The challenge is then... How do they get past them? Because they've both got over a thousand horsepower, and unless they've got their batteries and the DRS all ready to go, the challenge is making the move. Again, in F3, this doesn't happen. The cars are physically smaller. They're very, very similar. So, well, it if, doesn't come down to positioning either. Not I mean, so much. We, we, can, we could hark back to the greatest injustice in Formula One if you want. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Which is Canada 2018, 2019, one of the two. I think it's 18. So uh, Miles isn't going to let me rabbit on no, about no, that. No, but I'll, if, I'll you, you... if you've seen the race, you know that Sebastian is... Vettel was robbed of the win. This is the Vettel going off the track because it's just Into lost not the... the first corner. So the first, the first chicane, isn't it? And then the, you've got the second chicane yes. where you've got the, the right-hander and he's been, into he's the left. basically had to go onto the grass because... Well, he he went slightly wide. He went, in, he went onto the grass. He came back onto the track. Had uh, It's very thin, that part of the track, isn't it? Yeah, and then didn't really have anywhere to go because he had grass on his tires. Ended up squeezing Lewis so that. But if Lewis had, I'm obviously slightly biased, but if I feel like if Lewis had anticipated what was going to happen, which I think was fairly obvious what was going to happen because of the angle of Vettel's car coming back onto the track, he was always going to go to the right hand side of the track. He well, wasn't yeah, going to no be choice. able to stick it to the left. If if he tried to pin that to the left, he quite easily could have. But lost, you know, if if you're Lewis. You take the chance potentially, and you sling it down to the, the left, inside, yeah. and then you shoot round him. Or what? Would but be the instead, of that Vettel corner? got a five-second penalty, and then led to the the infamous moving of the uh, Sam was the, very the happy one and that two day. boards. If you remember, when yeah, in Sam was, was very happy that day. He was. Uh, uh, I almost gave up on Formula One that yeah. day. What I was going to say is that, that in Formula One, you you have things happen that have no relevance to to. Um, production cars the das system that mercedes had in 2020 oh the old moving of the steering wheel yeah, yeah with the position now it is almost unthinkable that any production car that volkswagen golf that volkswagen making five <laughs> You're just years, coming out of tesco car park yeah. warming up your tires <laughs> warming up your tires they're not so there's certain things in formula one that are invested in heavily to get an extra tenth out of a lap yeah well that again, was literally to prep your car for the start of the race wasn't exactly it? that and they have the the brake safety car restart the brake magic button that hamilton showed Oh, yeah, the one that he left on in Azerbaijan. Yeah, and and I'm sure all teams have a similar type of thing. So all this stuff is not something that's going to translate to anything but Formula One. And they spend millions. Just quickly on the brake magic. Do you remember when he left it on in a practice, I think? I think he left it on during a practice or a quali or something. And he went into his pit box and he ran over. He ran into one of his mechanics. Yeah. The guy that that has the jack that lifts it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I can't remember how long ago that was now. It's interesting that nothing ever really got pulled up to stop them using that at that point. Or no, have a penalty if you don't turn it off. This like. is the odd thing with certain things in Formula One. Again, it's this thing of we didn't breach a rule, but we're kind of we're kind of flying in the face of the spirit. And I know a lot yeah. of uh, engineers for it say there is no spirit to it. It's not anymore. Black and white there, written. <laughs> yeah, you know. But that's my point: is that in F1 they have this sort of technologies coming through to make them even faster. And you're talking about another tenth when you're already probably at the limits. I mean, you see how fit and trained. And just amazing the reaction speed is of a Formula One driver. Well, you look how exhausted. I, th- I don't know if I can't remember which race it was, but I think it was Lewis when he got out of the car and he looked like he was literally just about drained. to collapse. Yeah, yeah. 
And I think uh, Perez had a similar one where, I don't know what yeah. race, but sometimes they get out of the cars and you see them. And it's a good example with Hamilton, just because I remember he was up on the podium and he still hadn't really got himself yeah. back. Yeah, I mean, he was just crouching behind and the cameras were sort of following him as they do. And his, yeah. I think it might have been his dad or his, um, is it Angela? Whatever her name yeah, is, the one that follows him around, sort of, sort of pushing the camera away, saying, no, look, I mean, he's, he's, really in, he's in trouble here. Yeah, yeah. And so it shows you. And again, if you look at the training they're doing and then look at the training a fighter pilot is doing, on the ground, I mean, for their fitness and their reaction yeah, speed. It's not, it's not different. This is but the it is, thing. It's probably well, it's slightly not different, that, but it's not They, they have to have those reaction speeds. Mm -hmm. they, they, if they can't achieve that, and let's face it, not every human, you, you can you know, practice with throwing tennis balls at them and everything else, but it's a such dedication to be at that level, to you know, constantly, if you miss a week, it's not like when you don't go to the gym for a week and you feel a bit sore next time it's like yeah you're going to go off on the first like corner lethargic <laughs> yeah you, you, you're going to crash your car because you have to be pinpoint razor sharp well because your neck can't take the g-force no, around the corner <laughs> we're already at the, we're getting to those limits of what the human can do not what the machine can do the yeah. human i mean f3 say you take a step back a little bit and it's more about just get this thing around the track as fast as you can and if you make a mistake don't worry you know you should see people in 18th sometimes winning yeah maybe f1 could learn something from f3 to an extent, this is anyway. why F3 can be enjoyable to watch. I, I make a bit of an odd comparison, but if everyone's heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger and when he was a bodybuilder, mm -hmm. and people, you know, they rub it on about how that was the golden time of bodybuilding because they, he didn't look like, you know, he was in movies at the time. Yeah. So he didn't look like a complete freak show. He did look otherworldly of size. He had a 58 oh, course, inch yeah. chest, I think. <laughs> but if you compare it to the modern sort of bodybuilding of today in, in that league, because they now have a physique league that's similar to what Arnold was doing. These guys are monsters. Yeah. I mean, monsters, you know. They're, 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 and I'm not, that's not to knock them at all. It's incredible what they can achieve. But it's just, if you're asking the average guy, what look would you rather have? Uh, a lot more, point more towards a sort of Schwarzenegger, you know, big yeah, shoulders, yeah. big yeah, arms, definitely. big chest, tiny sort of skinny waist. And triangle. Good, yeah, and then, you know, good sized legs. Whereas the modern bodybuilders, they're, they're just tanks. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's not to take a single huge. thing away because when they go to competition, they're down to, you know, practically 0% body fat. But science has moved forward yeah. and everything else. Now, in Formula One, they used to get out of the car 50 odd years ago, smoke a cigarette, have a have drink, a, have a chat with a lovely lady. Yeah. Have, have a, a quick beer, drink. Yeah. Or a whiskey. Or, or usually, brandy. usually the sponsor. Yeah. Fear and, and <laughs> yeah. have an interview where they say oh, Johnny, was... it'd be Johnny Walker or something yeah. like that wouldn't it yeah. how was that it's like well I had to get in the spare car because that one you know, had a massive oil leak and, yeah because uh... I jogged across the track to yeah. get the spare car <laughs> you know. so the Formula 1 has checked like a lot of sports you know football basketball they've all become a lot more scientifically driven and now the human is becoming yeah. more and more the limiting factor now in F3 if you want to then say oh, do you know what I'd just like to see I don't really want to watch the absolute edge of it because at some point, that gets sometimes a little well, bit Well, it gets dull. sterile. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Now, in F3, you get less of that because they're sort of hemmed in on their parameters by the costs and everything else that I was des describing mm -hmm. earlier. So there is a bit more racing going on, physically smaller cars, less powerful. If they make a few mistakes, less punishment by, you know, by other cars catching up to them. Uh, Sam, I'll let you talk for a second. I'm going to see if there's anything else I wanted to add on. Okay, Top well, I'm going to go in with the two things that I would do to F1 to make oh, it yeah, more enjoyable again. That's a good one. And it would be, now you've just brought it up, so I'm going to start with that, bring back the spare car. 
So that if, if, they... if someone breaks down, you know, they've got a chance. You, you can, yeah, they can get or, back in it. Or you, you're still obviously going to be near the back, but you're not out of the race. And if there's a safety car, you catch up and you can maybe make some places and stuff. And the second one would be, because I remember a specific race, and you remember which one it is. I can't remember the exact one to tell you, but you'll know when I say it because of this subject. Bring back refueling. Yeah. Because you remember, I think, I think it was a race where Michael Schumacher had like, four or five pit stops the, the there was a strategy that they were they changed it didn't they where he if he stopped four times he would go so quickly in yeah. the laps in between that he would make up the gap because of and course, he won yeah he did and i think i mean pit stops took generally longer at the time but you you know it was splash and dash and it was the yeah. first time they really sort of it wasn't the first time but to use it so well and i know we had all the issues where sometimes the hose would go with the car and there was a few fires and mechanics getting hit with the hoses but I think if you can come up with a, make it slightly safer, there's always going to be an element of risk. I mean, there's an element of risk just being the, the Jackman. Like I just said, Ian Lewis oh, almost yeah. killed his Jackman because he left his brake magic button on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got to be really brave. And there, there, there's, a, there's been a few where drivers have run into their mechanic. I think Seb did it actually recently. But bring Seb back did. refueling and bring back the spare car. Those then are I your think, two things. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, only because they can't bring back the V12s and V10s. Because that, that's not going to happen. So, you know, that's that's by the by and gone. So that's, yeah. you're never going to get that back. But you could bring back refueling. And you could definitely bring back the spare car. Uh, just to sign up, one of the other things that, and I will come back to your comments there, Sam, one of the other things that people may notice is, for example, in the W series, they run to a timer. And my oh, friend okay. questioned that and he was like, how come they do a timer? And I said, actually, F1 does a timer as well. Yeah, it's just not on the screen. It's not on the screen because they have a, a number of laps. And it was, I, th like, I think they have four hours to run it. And a, and a yeah. whole race would take an hour and a half. And this is why, if anyone remembers Spa, where it rained and rained and rained and they had to eventually call it off, it's because... They didn't have time to run they, the They got race, to the point they? where they then were within... You know, they could now couldn't get a full race in. So it was like yeah. an hour left and they had an hour and a half to run. They said, right, we'll cancel it. Well, not yeah. cancel it. They didn't No, we did it, the but... half points race. Didn't yeah. We? But just a point to say, that's another difference is that uh, in certainly in the W Series, you'll see a timer ticking down. And that's just because there can be different events happening and mm -hmm. to keep it but so they have to finish because yeah there's and, other stuff going and on and again there's a cost you know if you're saying this car has to do 60 laps every single time it's going to have a limitation whereas if you say it has to run half an hour but you know we can have things going on it might be doing five of or five percent of the race at crawling speed because there's um a debris for an accident things mm -hmm. like that and it doesn't then have to do those it doesn't have to build those laptops that's going to come out the 30 minutes yeah it exactly. just it's all reducing wear yeah you know? That 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 I think actually picks it off. Refueling, Sam. I'm I'm in complete agreement with you, and especially because, and it's something I, I wanted to mention for diesel, but I'll come back to it in a second. We're at a point now where we know hydrocarbons coming out of the ground are causing uh, some form of you know I don't when I say this it's not I'm den not denying anything. I'm just saying that I don't want to. This is a car podcast, and we don't want to always constantly get into the argument of what damage this is doing and that. So I'm just yeah, going to yeah. say it causes some kind of pollution. You can decide in your own head whether that's, you know, air pollution, climate change, whatever else. I'm just going to put it to that so we don't have to go off on a long tangent to explain, you know, that we're not being unfair to it. We're at a point where we really understand that and we can make e-fuels. And yeah. we have been able to make e-fuels for a very long period of time. I remember nearly 10 years ago hearing about how Audi had made made diesel in a laboratory and it was working in their cars and they were running 
I think it was like the Germans Chancellor's car. Okay. They were it was a series of government vehicles, and they were just going to use it as a test bed. Yeah. Um, and they have e-fuel for petrol, and they've had that even longer, and it seems to work. And now you can have, uh, you can buy it by the barrel. It's oh, expensive, wow, okay. but again, in Formula One, we're talking about the absolute pinnacle. So if you are getting an e-fuel, you can decide how many octane that has. Yeah. Because you're making it. It's no longer about refining the crude oil and trying to make it this, that, and the other. So if we want to propel that new technology of fuel, one of the best ways to surely do it would be fueling in races. Mm -hmm. So that it becomes something people see again. They see fueling. And you can say, oh, that's, this is zero pollution fuel because we've made it. We've made Again, I don't want to go too far into the pollution of making it and everything else. I'm just pointing out, you know, EVs is the same argument. What's it to make it? But at the tailpipe, when they go to these events, they can say everything that came out the tailpipe is a man-made, uh, is, is sort of water or whatever else because yeah. we've had a man-made fuel and we've made sure that what is actually burnt and comes out is not... Instead of just having a Petronas advert at the beginning of the, yeah. well, beginning Petronas, of the race. <laughs> Petronas have been pushing forward on this technology for ages. It makes no sense. They sit there going, well, we're in our laboratory doing this, this, and you think, well... Why are you not using it then? I mean, if you can put... They're getting planes to a point where they, they can say, yeah, we can see the future of long-haul aviation will be e-fuels. Because it's just it's just an energy density argument. Yeah. And burning fuel in a jet engine and the way it burns over a long period and then landing lighter and taking off heavier, it just all works so well for aviation. Maybe in a short haul you could do electric planes, but you you've, you're still carrying the batteries. Yeah, exactly. So there's a finite amount of distance you could do with those. And so if you're really trying to promote this, then why not have and really prove to people and say, look, if you want to spend a little bit more money at the pump, we can give you an e-fuel that is Formula One tested. Yeah. Can you imagine everyone out there who's got a, a Dacia Sandero with a racing stripe on it? Yeah, they would be straight down to their nearest fuel station, and they yeah, would you be filling have your up. Own, you could have a special pump that had like an F1 logo on it. There or you something. go. Yeah. Can you imagine? You know these people who go down the pub and they're not really interested in their car, but they like to go and brag about it. Yeah. Well, I've got I've got Formula One. I've got Lewis Hamilton's fuel in my yeah. car. Yeah, people would love to be able to say that. And if the result is you've got less pollution coming out of tailpipes, it's a win-win for everyone. And, and you can say, well, actually, we've we've graded this fuel, and it's even better. It burns cleaner. It creates more power. So to me, that's a bit of a win-win. And just going into the diesel argument, for me, we're talking a lot about people wanting to be able to travel ch as cheaply as possible. And we know that diesel engines are and petrol engines, they're very well researched. We can do them fairly cheaply. There's companies what is it, companies in India that can sell you a tiny little car, £1,500. Yeah. With, I mean, this is not anything you'd want to buy in the West, probably. But if we're talking about moving the world, and it's not fair for us to just say, well, we've had cars for 100 years and we don't want developing nations to be pumping out CO2. They have to have EVs. It's like, what? So someone who's in a developing nation has to buy a £20,000 car. But you can carry on having your supercharged Range Rover. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So tell them, yeah, you can buy your £1,500 uh, little thing and put e-fuel in it. But, and, and actually, if you think of all the families out there in the UK, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, you know, North America, all these countries that are well-developed, but People want a good, reliable family transport. They were happy with a diesel. It cost them a reasonable amount of money. As in, it yeah, wasn't no, yeah. so, you know, it wasn't £50,000 for a saloon. No. 
You could go in and say, look, I want something mid-spec, maybe a little bit of nice things on it. They say, okay, we've got a two-litre diesel. It's got this you know, nice heated leather, whatever. It's this much, and it'll be this much a month. And people who are on average salaries, maybe a bit less than average salaries, could say, yeah, actually, I can afford that. Yeah. Which they can't do when you say it's 45 grand you know, <laughs> yeah. for, a, for an EV starting point. And, and I'm not knocking EVs, I'm just saying they are expensive. To me, the answer would be, if you can get man-made diesel, and let's face it, they had it, say, nearly a decade ago, proven that it worked, why are we not yeah, seeing... Yeah, why are we not using it then? Yeah, and why are we not saying, look, it's not going to be perfectly clean, there is going to be some pollution in the production of it, but it's much less. It's much less, and it's the same problem that EVs have. You know, you can't make, you cannot produce something in, in our world, really. I can't think of it. Can you think of anything, Sam, that has no sort of carbon footprint or anything any impact at all no i can't even think of a you know if you grow a tree it's going to have some impact on the ecology oh, around it, yeah. it i'm trying to think of anything i don't think there is anything apples well no because they grow on a tree but what if as long as the tree's already there well you've got to move the apples to get somewhere what about if we sent you out in a bag in your little red tractor thing that to work? Well, how do i get oh e-fuel in the tractor Tractor's the tractor's been made oh um, there isn't anything you with a satchel. No, no, you had it. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wanted to come on to that actually about this whole thing of you know how we treat the world. I think a lot of people want to sort of make things back to a certain point. Yeah, and it's impossible because as we've proven there, every time a human goes and does something, whether it's produces something or tries to clean up something, they're having an impact. Yeah. We don't know that, what, you know, we, you just don't, I mean, obviously you can say, look, shark populations have dropped off terribly. And that's awful because most sharks are not jaws. Well, no, I think they're, very few of them are. They're just, oh, they're they're just eating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, the media have said, oh, jaws, you know, and, and it's horrible when it happens. When I lived in Australia, there was shark attack reports and it's horrible. You, know, you hear someone's died or whatever. You know, yeah, but you've gone into their environment. This is it at the end of the day so same thing when i saw you know a spider the size of a dinner plate in my living room and i thought well he was here long before me i shall go and get a jug and try and get him outside yeah and after you know a few minutes of shaking and getting all his legs <laughs> in the jug maybe came in there and never heard such a large thing fall from a jug yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i remember just thinking right you go there into this you know it's a nice little sort of um tree lined area near it. I was like you go there and i'm going to run this way at the same yeah. time but you know <laughs> i've affected something there because he was there and knowing where he is exactly so he's going to go to a different little ecosystem now yeah and maybe maybe he's not meant to be there yeah maybe, so maybe he'll, he'll, eat something he'll either or... eat something or something will eat him yeah or she or maybe she'll, or she, and, yeah, and yeah. she'll eat one of her own kinds that's a male yeah so you know it's, you, you can't get away with doing nothing i think it's the point here we've gone way off the topic of formula one but <laughs> But I am in complete agreement with you for refueling because what do we ultimately want to do? Do we want to be right or do we want to try and come up with answers? To me, we want to come up with answers and saying to people, look, we can, if you said to everyone, we can make e-diesel, no one changes, you know, you don't have to go out and buy brand new cars for £50,000 and do all these sort of, sort of silly incentives that the government come up with and say, oh, well, you can save £2,000, which is very unhelpful when it's double the price of your previous car. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah drop in the ocean really yeah you know? definitely but if someone said look okay fuel's going to go up it's going to be two pounds fifty a litre for zero pollution now the options are you can have that or we need fifty thousand pounds for a car well let's face it the majority of the public around even developed nations 
They're going to pick the fuel, aren't they? Well, just because they haven't got 50,000, like, even yeah. if they were financing it, once you've got household bills and tighter budgets, much better to actually have them just say, look, okay, I'll, I'll just have to adjust to the fact my fuel bill is going to go up. But A, it's clean. Yeah. So to a lot of people, that would be worth it to say, look, when you drive your kids to school or whatever, you haven't got, even, as I say, not getting to the climate change arguments that appear, but there's no tailpipe emissions coming out of their school. Precisely. So, which is what people say they want. So, yeah, you can't get everything for free. So, that to me, you know, people can, and plus, it's one of those costs that's over time. Yeah. If, if fuel went up, it's not nice. You know, it's, it cuts people's budgets and it means they you know, can't do the things they want to do as much and enjoy themselves as much. On the plus side, yeah, well, sometimes you have to take some bad stuff to get you've got some... to do the middle ground. And if, and to be fair, if the government's incentivized it and said, if you buy e fuel, we won't charge you any duties or tax or or one of them it would be the same price well it, precisely i was just and, about, i was just about to say that point if you said that it's one pound 80 a litre for petrol yeah but for zero petrol we're not charging half let's just say the duty it, so. they're not going to charge the the duty because that's yeah. like 60 pence or something yeah. on a, so that, in the uk it is you know other countries you'll have that's actually one pound 70 so you'd be like oh, what it's a no-brainer yeah and and people who say well or oh, it's the same price yeah but then you have the argument of, the, why, why would the government do that? Well, that's what they do with electric cars. Yeah. You you don't get any charges at the moment uh, for going into congestion zones. You don't get any road tax charges. The tax on ele- the electricity you use is, is nowhere near the tax that it is for fuel. So they're d- already doing it in one way. Well, I think at some point, the greed of the bigger companies and the governments is going to have to come to a head. Yeah. Because at the moment, we're seeing people, I don't want to go too off topic with regular current events but we're seeing people struggle to eat and pay their bills yeah and, and fill really their cars but at the same time you've got the big conglomerate companies announcing billions and billions in profit and huge profits and yeah. the government's refusing to tax them on that to then hand that tax as savings back to the families that are then starving and struggling yeah so and at, at, at some point the governments and the companies the people that are making a load of money that aren't struggling it's going to have to come to a head because, at yeah. the end of the day, what do the what do the what do us people at the end of the chain do? And this is something that you know, if you've, uh, I know a lot of people aren't interested in history, and that's fair enough. It's it's not always that interesting. But I I went to university and studied it yeah. along with economics, which was great fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't know why I picked these, but um, <laughs> it was going to give me great career prospects, and I've ended yeah, up now doing, doing a, a podcast with me, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in there, the amount of revolutions that happened because people rose up because they were so subjugated, they were so there was no yeah, choice. Well, I think I we're mean, headed towards that point. Uh, it seems sensationalist to say that, but at some point, it's going to come to a head. There, there will always be a, a pinch point, and you know, people can look at America, for example, when they said we're not paying the king's taxes anymore, and they went and had a revolution and whether that was the only reason behind it or blah 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 i'm not gonna get into that but yeah i mean we could, we, could, we could turn this into a well, politics the, podcast the and we could sit and discuss in, recent events in this yeah. country and we could spend two hours talking about it but it's it's just this happens Which, you know, eventually weirdly i would actually happily do because i was listening to i think is it prime minister's questions that happened yesterday where they all sit and slag each other off in the house of commons basically yeah um, and I'm so irate about it that I could sit and rant about it for two hours. Yeah. So See, I accidentally heard it on the radio. <laughs> again, we could, when we have these conversations, I'll say something to Sam about politics because, for example, it will come up in some economic thing I'll read, I'm reading yeah. and I'll be like, Sam, have you heard this? And I'll be like, oh, no. And then you'll hear the same thing, but you'll hear the, the political side of it because yeah. I've just given you some numbers yeah. and you've gone, oh, yeah, that's very interesting. And then you'll see, 
oh, hold on. He, when Miles said those numbers, that was because of an argument that happened in our political house that actually was just them wanting to do stuff for popularity and not giving a damn yeah. how it affects people. And you just sit there and you go, but I I, I do think we should move on because otherwise I'm going to start ranting about oh, it. Oh yeah, it God, this is an automotive podcast, Sam. <laughs> right. The, the, actually, did that get... No, it didn't. The future of driving is going to be expensive. And one of the reasons for that is because... Da, 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 economics with miles. <laughs> the, 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 I don't know, actually, people around different countries that listen to us will know that they're having different types of restrictions come in on where they can drive their car or what times they can drive them, or if they have to pay a fee. So in the UK, we've got London expanding, or planning to expand the oh, okay. I see where you're going low there. emission zone into greater London. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they said off the back of this was, you know, it will force... So the AA, if you don't know who the AA is, they do our one of our big breakdown companies in the UK. So you've got yep. AA and RAC. Those are your two major ones. Who else you got, Sam? Green Go flag. Green flag. Go on, do another one that's not up in a urinal in a I don't know. in a gents in a, in a service <laughs> station. <laughs> Ring flag. Uh, well, the manufacturers will have them as well. Yeah, there we go. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> um, that they they have come out and they've said about a third of all uh, car owners in this Greater London area will not be able to replace their car with a low emissions car. <sighs> Brilliant. So that's a third of all of them, and. The answer that's come about is they'll be incentivized right. to take public transport to walk or to no, cycle. They'll be necessitized to yeah. do this. <laughs> so that's, that was the that was the mayor's this is the London mayor who said this. And he didn't actually give any way he was going to do it apart from you can save two thousand pounds on your electric car. So if you sit there at the minute and you've got a twenty year old uh, Ford Mondeo and you're struggling a bit with bills, if you go out and buy yourself a forty-five thousand pound electric car. They'll give you two grand off it. Two grand off, Sam. That's, well, that's changed, good. It, hasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. I'll go out and get one now. I might nip on the <laughs> Sorry, way home. Everyone. I don't want to rant about politics, but I just wanted to make a small point there that this is why I talk about: is the, are there any other options? Because I think a lot of people are saying, "Look, twenty to twenty-five thousand pounds," and I, I know that they're all financed, but those were that was people's budget because they worked out that was the monthlies they could afford, say two, three hundred, three hundred and fifty, whatever it was a month. That's what they worked out. When you say it's £40,000 lower residual value or whatever else at the minute while they work this, all this transition out, families just can't afford it. No, of course they can't. And most people just can't afford it. And then I think a lot of people are saying, oh, we don't want the expensive cars. But actually what they mean is not like the, the value of what you're getting for your money is, is we talked about a Corsa. Yeah, yeah. We've and I said, you know, a few of the sensationalist prices. Yeah, like 28 grand for an electric Corsa. Or fourteen thousand pounds for a little petrol yeah, one. Yeah, it's insane. Ago. This is this is not moving with the times. And it was the Lord Bamford, who's JCB, in okay. The UK, and he'd said it years ago. It's why he's moving a lot of his heavy engineering stuff to hydrogen. Okay. Because he doesn't need to put the price up as much. And this is hydrogen combustion engines, just to point out, not yeah. hydrogen battery, but hydrogen combustion, which Toyota have been trying as well. We've brought that up on previous podcasts. But the main reason for that is because it's, say, about a 10% increase in mm-hmm. the, the cost to him, which he passes on to the customers. Now, his customers will be able to absorb that. Electric is 100%. Or near, you know, we're talking yeah. sort of 70 and onwards, depending on what the machine is. Yeah. Well, shockingly, 
They can't absorb that. Well, you know, when it's a £400,000 <laughs> machine, you say, look, it's gone to 440 It's going to run off hydrogen. So actually, it's cleaner, blah, blah. And companies go, well, we can do some good marketing with that. You know, it's zero emissions. And actually, we do use them in cities to excavate from skyscrapers. And, oh, yeah, actually, we can make this work. You know, and it's only 10% more. So, you know, it will be lost somewhere in some write-offs. Yeah. When he turns up and said, right, it's nine, oh, it's £750,000 and you need to charge it, you know, and all this sort of stuff, which might not work that great at Did the moment. You suddenly, your num- your order numbers start to fall. So th- what, what baffles me is why are we not looking at all these different, art- this is why I bang on about it on this podcast. I would just really like to see more manufacturers, more companies and more support from, you know, the powers that be to say, okay, electricity is one option. Let's look at what all are the, the other options. Yeah, let's have them all out. Try it. Yeah, if if someone if you went to a really fancy restaurant and they said, look, so if you want, you can try uh, a small snippet of all of our best meals. They're sixty pounds for this main. Okay. Yeah, we'll give you a just a, a you know a mouthful of each one. Of course, you you wouldn't say no. I've made my mind up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made my mind up by having this. Have you ever had that before? No, I've never had it before. But it looks good on the menu. Yeah. I've run this really expensive place. I've got no idea how your chef cooks it. I'm going for that. Yeah. Of course you say, oh, what? I can just I can just try these. Yeah, look, yeah. no charge to you. It's just a mouthful of all our all of our stuff. And you can then just pick because we want you to have the best experience possible. Or, or it's a couple of quid. A couple of quid. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, you can sometimes do this if you go to an old ale pub. Yeah, and say, oh, yeah, can I just like, have a taster of yeah, that? And well, they let, they give you a little a little glass, don't they? Yeah, yeah. They, they sort of put like a shot's worth, and you can just sort of swill it around your mouth. And say, oh yeah, actually, that's that's quite a nice golden. I'll go for that, or yeah. you know, whatever it might be. So if they if they've mastered it at the ale level of a three quid drink, you think we could master it as a society? To say, look, let's just get the best possible answer for transport. There's going to be petrol heads like me and Sam who want to buy, you know, powerful, exciting, fast engaging vehicles yeah but there's also going to be you know, your partner yeah who's going to want to buy something that's nice but she's not so bothered if it runs off electricity or hydrogen or whatever yeah, as else as she just... can put what she needs to put in it and, then... and have a nice drive and it's not going to cause her any problems but this is what i mean where it's all going to have to come to a head at some point because it's all the profiteering and they'll only do stuff where it's easy for them to make money and it doesn't cost them anything this so is at other... some point it is going to come to a head there yeah and, yeah, yeah, and that's that's when maybe we're going to get some of this change potentially coming, but until that point, we're going to continue on this path until we affect some sort of change. I guess we're done... not going to change it themselves. We've done pretty well here, Sam. I'm just going through my notes of our podcast. We've got through quite a lot of it so far. Oh, quick, end the podcast. <laughs> end it. End it. I don't know how long we've been talking, actually. I don't even know what time we started. Uh, I'm fairly sure we're over an hour. But... I don't think we are, actually. I think we started just before. I think uh, we, did. we can bring up the other timer. Uh, listeners who are there, well, don't look at your phone and just guess how far we're I'm through. Gonna, I haven't looked yet. I'm going to say an hour and five. <laughs> it, he's annoyingly close too often, isn't he, listeners? Uh, I've got an hour and seven on the raw recording. So that means if you're listening to this, wherever you are, You'll probably be more like an hour because we have to edit yeah. down the because we leave quite big gaps at the start and finish. So, so that, Mystic Meg once again that was, was very pretty good. much was spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I was going to talk. Come about, on, topic man. I was okay. I'll, I'll just mention one thing quickly because it just comes off the back of what we were saying there. I'm getting very frustrated with certain uh, media outlets talking about pollution and then knowing nothing. Like they nothing what they're talking about. Like yeah, I, I had this. I was reading this article and I was just interested in it because they were talking about, uh, it was in, it was an e- economic, uh, and they were saying, well, 
uh, we need to transition because Americans have refused to give up gas-guzzling cars, and so it's their fault that the emissions <laughs> have increased by that amount between 2000 and 2018. Completely blind to the idea that in that time, and by the way, this is not blaming any nation. There's no blame here. It's just uh, the facts of the world. That between 2000 and 2018, some of the largest economies in the world have come on song. Mainly right, you know, okay. China have <laughs> went from bicycles. I mean, they, actually, an old episode of Top Gear from like 2007 or 8 showed that in 2003, the number one transport was a bicycle. Yeah. By 2006, it was, you know, transitioning to a little motorized bicycle or motorbikes, whatever else. And then by 2010, they had a, a bur- like a really sort of, I don't want to say great cars, but they, they had a huge manufacturing base of cars. Yeah. Okay. So there was this, this this transition across the world where pe- more and more people, which is on one aspect fantastic because it means that poorer parts of the world that have been striving to get ahead and everything else are actually being given the same opportunities as, as other people who are a bit more fortunate being born somewhere. Yeah, that, for sure. You know, and that, that's fantastic. All that leads to is more and more better things yeah. long term, or at least you'd hope. But for, to do this research, I was like, how could you possibly think that it could have raised, and it was something like a third? It's gone from. I just want to see if I did. I write down the figures, Sam. You can uh, fill for me with no idea how to. Yeah, what would you like me to fill about? Let's oh, anything, talk mate. about cars because that's what we do on this podcast. We yeah. talk about cars. Don't worry, there is a car cars thing coming straight have up. Four wheels, usually connected <laughs> to the engine by a drivetrain. So I didn't have the number. There you go. But it was something. <laughs> It was Good something, news is back. <laughs> it was something like about thirty-five to fifty percent increase in that time, two thousand wow. eighteen. Okay. And if you line that up with the amount of new, you know, the amount of extra cars mm-hmm. that have come on, it lines up pretty nicely. Right. It's not perfect, but if you think of the efficiency of an engine in two thousand and an engine in two thousand eighteen, it doesn't make sense what they're writing. No. Yeah, okay, it's, it's yeah, like yeah. saying, oh, in the 1960s, we used to be happy to get 10 miles to the gallon in big American. I'm just going to talk about America because that's where they were basing their research. You know, yeah, you can still get 10 miles from a gallon if you buy a Dodge Challenger Hellcat. Yeah. <laughs> but for the majority of people in America who are buying Toyotas and, you know, efficient Fords and a few trucks, but, you know, they're not getting 10 miles to the gallon. No, they're not at all. So they're getting more 30s, 40s, Yeah, 50s. so to, to not sort of, just ignore this fact to make it fit within there. I think that's really well, yeah. unhelpful. I'm going to go where we end up with like the social media news because people will read a headline and then just yeah, scroll on. They just want and then to they'll present that as fact. What I'm going to talk about now, though, is some proper car stuff because I know you've all hung on for an hour waiting for some proper car stuff, which is great. Because <laughs> thank you for doing that. You know, we, it's how our podcast works. Is uh, Sam and I eventually get to the point? <laughs> I think it's the main part of it. Sam, the Nissan and GTR. Okay. It's gone. Okay. For for us in the UK and I think Europe. Uh for the US, you're about to lose it in the next year. Okay. And I just wanted to go back to talking about when I first drove the car. Mm-hmm. Because it was back in two thousand and late two thousand and nine, I think it was. Uh the owner of the car dealership that I was working at got one. Yep. Yeah, he, he put an order in early. And he got one of the first ones. And he had a black GTR. I think they actually had two specs. And he had, a, I want to say, a premium because it had black wheels. Okay. 
So I think that was the difference. You could have premium or non-premium. If you had non-premium, you, you had like gray wheels or silver wheels. And if you had premium, you had black wheels. I think that was the difference. And of course, he didn't let anyone drive it for the first two months. And then like anything, he got bored of it because he changed his car every four or five months. And even he could get bored of a GTR. Yeah. And so then we all got to start having a go in it. And I managed to get, I'd probably say, an hour with this car. Wow, okay. And there's two things I want to bring up with it. The first is possibly a bit of a negative, which is it was so like, I remember driving this thing and thinking, I'm not sure I'm going to drive anything as fast as this, you know, in the foreseeable future. Yeah. Because it wasn't fast in the way of wheel spinning, aggression, you know, just maniac charging on the road. It just moved you. Yeah. You went from there to there. Yeah, from where you were to a mile away. And it just in, in blistering time, it just... And to think that the GTR was around then, it's only just left showrooms 12 years later. And even today, it and apart from, you know, the real hyper stuff, it's still holding its own against Porsches yeah. and everything else that have come out since. Admittedly, you know, the, the, tur- the 911 turbos moved on. Yeah, but, of course. But we're talking about a car that, you know, it was released in 2009 and fiddled with by Nissan. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, relaunched. Porsche in that time went from the 997 generation yeah. to 991 to 992. Yeah, just to, just so to it's been this, completely redeveloped. Yeah, just to put this into perspective. Um, but there was an element to that that left you a little bit cold because the driver engagement possibly wasn't what some people would imagine it is on a GTR. They would think that it's this thing where you're holding onto it and you're the one dictating everything. And actually, there's a lot of computers there, there's a lot of weight, and there's a lot of speed. Yeah, so it does a lot of stuff. It does a lot of things, and it kind of sort of says, I don't necessarily need you. Yeah. I can take care of this. You just point me in the direction, and I'll take care yeah. of it. Yeah, I just need you to push the pedals. Where it really, though, turned the screw on you and said, actually, I'm going to work my way into your heart, was by delivering that in a way that after 15 or 20 minutes, after you got to understand it and worked out, well, maybe I'm not going to fulfill the, the place that I would if I was driving a Mini uh-huh. uh, or if I was driving, you know, a hot hatch, there is a place for me here. And you have right. to work your way into it and then you find it and you realise that at, you know, as you push it, push it more to the limits, yeah, of course, it will keep going. Yeah, of course. But it helps you find such greater limits to yourself. Now, the trouble with that is, of course, on the public road, you end up becoming a criminal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you get in some real trouble. And so, you know, I would suggest if, you, if you're out there and you're thinking, oh, they, they have just finished, I wonder if I can get a, you know, a low mileage ex-dealer one or something like that. Uh, I would suggest you live near a racetrack. Yeah, I'm not saying that sarcastically. I mean, they're dotted around most countries. And if you're within 30 miles of one, it just means that you'll get this experience where when you're with the car and when you have learnt it and you say, I've never been able to take this corner at 100 miles an hour, I wonder if I can. Mm-hmm. You will. Yeah. And then the next week you'll say, I wonder if I could do it at 120. Yeah. And you, and then it really, it's like having a friend who is always encouraging you because they know they can do more than you. Yeah. You know, if you've ever gone to the gym with someone and they were stronger than you and they were a bit fitter than you and everything else, but they, they didn't, yeah, they they knew that walking in, and they were humble enough to say, "Look, I'm not. This isn't me proving I'm better than you. I want you to get to my level." Yeah, that's what the GTR felt like it did. Every time 
I then drove it afterwards, which were admittedly the shorter drives. Yeah. But once I got to know its character and it was kind of sort of saying, look, you know, I know my capabilities at 550 horsepower and, you know, being able to, I've got nitrogen filled tires so I can hold on to a corner. (laughs) You're going to fall out the seat. The seats were, for me, a bit of a, a little bit of a letdown. They just didn't grip quite as much. Needed more bolstering. A little bit more bolstering, but not because they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough for what the car could offer. Yeah. Any other car you get and you think, yeah, this is all right. This is sort of comfortable. Yeah, and I'm and stuck in here. <laughs> yeah, whereas this needed like, you know, those GT3 racer seats where it's yeah, got yeah. them around your <laughs> neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, it kind of just needed a bit more to, to grab you in, but then you would lose the comfort of its long, effortless yeah, driving. Yeah, precisely. There was another example I had where I took this car, I was going down a, a faster road, let's say, and um, I had to go and get some fuel for it. And you sort of pull in, I ended up behind a lorry and there was a lorry overtaking that lorry and there was just you know, no gap. And I thought, I'm just going to sit back and I'm not going to bother fiddling with the gears myself. I'll just accept that sometimes you don't get to have fun in a car. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just nice to be in a car and experience how well built and how well made it is. Yeah. And then a gap appeared. And this just went. <laughs> it just went with you. It's almost like it could telepathically read my mind of there's a gap there and your toe is going to... Before gonna... you've even thought about yes, actually doing it. it. Almost as if it could tease your toe to press the accelerator pedal and, and off you went with it. Yeah. And it just it built up this relationship with you that I think a lot of people have missed. Over the years, people have reviewed them, talked about them, and owners have talked about them. And I think some people have ruined them because... You get used to that straight line speed, and so they want more power. Yeah, so you just put more power in it. And at 800 horsepower, this is now beyond, I think, what most people can drive. So they only ever drive it in a straight line fast. Yeah. Which is a, a real waste of the talent. It's like saying to a, what's it, is it a triathlon? Mm-hmm. What's, do you know what they do? Uh, swim, run, cycle. Okay, brilliant. I'm glad I've got Sam on the podcast. <laughs> but it's like saying to a tri- you know, someone who does the triathlon. Okay, I just want you just want you to be a swimmer. Yeah, and then like yeah, oh, but you know, I can I can also run I'm, I'm, after yeah. doing that, and then I can well cycle and then run. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, and you say, oh, but I'm really talented in the other places. I'm probably like up there with the top in the world. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I just want you to swim. Yeah, and there was well, you know, if you did a job for your entire life that always pegged you back, you had more capability, but you didn't get the right promotion, or you know, you didn't get to do what you wanted to do because you know mm-hmm. work politics whatever else you'll always feel like there was more you could give oh, of course and i think a lot of owners they ruin the car by saying well i want more power because i only know how to do this one thing with it and not actually researching and taking the time to say there's more under the skin here yeah there's that more... i could tap into yeah almost, i'm not interested <laughs> it's almost like they needed every nissan gtr buyer needs to be given with the car a one hour Track slot <laughs> with one of Nissan's engineers that built it. Yeah. So they can say, well, no, no, keep going. Put your yeah. foot down. Trust me. And just to explain to them, oh, do you know why we did that? Oh, do you know what? And just have this sudden appreciation. I remember uh, I was on a flight. I can't remember where I was going. I think I was on my way somewhere long distance. And uh, you know when it was had the... I know it was long distance because it had a TV in the back of the... Right, <laughs> okay. And I found, very bored on this flight, found a... It was like a documentary of the GTR. Okay. And it was these overly passionate engineers. It was fantastic to watch. And they were talking about the journey they had been on. Oh, okay. That's cool. With, with making the GTR, how some of them had been there for the R34, some of them hadn't, some of them were new to it. So 
and they were explaining all this stuff that they got. Oh, and they had to do this, and they and it wasn't like Nissan said, you know, when Volkswagen made the Phaeton, and yeah. famously they said, well, it must be able to boil a kettle at this and do this and not mist up and yeah. drive at 150. It's not like Nissan said that. Nissan no. didn't give them these parameters. The engineers were like walking in, sort of gave it to themselves, like goading each other, like, do you think we could do this? Do you think we could build this in? Do you think we would? Oh, the real spirit behind it. Yeah. And I think that that's been slightly lost. And if if you are in a position where you think to yourself, well, it, a lot because a lot of people will just compare it to an electric car and they'll say it was instant power. It just went and it will. They'll say what I said at the start: just throws you down the road. Wherever you are, you're not going to be there anymore. You're going to be further down the road. And that's a simplistic way of looking at it. But the GTR did offer more. And actually, when you start to tuck, you know, touch at the edges and peel away what's under the skin, there was a fantastic vehicle underneath. And so, um, if yeah, if you're in a position where you ever find stuff, I think early ones in the UK, I think early ones are around the thirty-five thousand pound mark. They haven't. You might find a crashed one for just a touch less than that. But yeah, you don't really want a crashed one. If you'll see, if we ever have one on the miles driven, it will be one of those ones. Yeah, <laughs> it'll still be crashed. Uh, good <laughs> ones are sort of hovering around the fifty thousand. I, I suggested to a good friend of ours. When yeah, he, he yeah. said to me, "I'm really bored with my lease car," and I said. Hmm. And then I found a GTR, I think it was around the 50,000 mark. Yeah. And I said, it's got, and it genuinely had his initials on the number plate. Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah, and yeah. I was desperately trying to push him into the car. He's like, no, I can't get out of my lease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, that's the, you know, that, that's the bracket that you're, you're looking at. And, you know, I know that's going to be un, un, unaffordable for many of our listeners, but there will be some people out there that have been thinking about it. Unfortunately, and I'd love to say, if you hold on another five years, they'll, come down to say 20,000 they're not going to I don't think they ever will I no. think they're a bit like you know we talk about the Focus RS Mark II mm-hmm. no matter what the mileage is you know unless it has been crashed yeah because and badly repaired and particularly with a Nissan GTR they basically can be abused they can hit things they you know they're at that point where when you get one even a really rough one is probably still a good car. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, it's going to have a lot of bills. I'm not saying that, but it's been well built in the first place. So you really have to be a careless person. Yeah, definitely. To, to put it yeah, into such right a place where uh, it's a lot like when we were talking about the track day of the week, Sam, and you were saying how that Porsche felt like it had just could yeah, take that it was pounding. The, the best built one out yeah. of the lot. And it's just some vehicles are like that. Why those track companies don't buy a Oh, I imagine they so you, can, you can get GTRs. Yeah. Them, yeah, but you'd think they'd try and push more people into that because yeah, if you <laughs> just lapse all the break as well. <laughs> yeah, and the maintenance, you call up Nissan. I mean, can yeah. you imagine the options are call up Lamborghini. Yeah, and say, oh, someone's gone off the track earlier, and I need a new front bumper. Well, that's seven thousand pounds, sir. Yeah, or you call up, I need a new GTR part, and they say, you know, it's two thousand pounds. Yeah, it's well, still less. <laughs> I, I know which one you'd rather. Have, yeah, you know, <laughs> so. I just thought I'd pick that up. There's there's no manual gearbox. If you are a manual gearbox lover, there's no manual. Um, and I understand that some people would want to remap them and, and try and get thousands of horsepower out of them, which I think there's a 2,500 horsepower one. Jesus. Uh, in the UK, I think there's some that just touching over just two. I think that one's in the US, but there's ones that run up by Sands Pod near where you live, Sam. Yeah. And uh, I think there's one with nigh on 2,000, maybe a little bit more than 2,000 horsepower that's run there. Wow. So they can be monsters if that's what you want. But we're we're a bit more about the passion of vehicles and driving. Yeah, yeah. If it, you know, there's lots of people out there that can talk to you about absolute speed. 
but <laughs> and and that's fine you know that's their that's their thing we I, I always just like to think i'd like to talk about cars that i could appreciate as much when they're stopped and you're stood outside them looking yeah, at Yeah, looking them. at it as opposed to being in it and driving it yeah, or you know, if it you, driving past you. There's some cars that are absolutely fantastic in them driving them. Yeah. And then you get out and you sort of lock them and you think, oh, that's, that's really nice. And, you know, you talk to someone about it for five minutes. Yeah, this is one that you can sit and look out the window at. And and if someone walked up to you in a car park and, oh, blah, blah, and you, you, the conversation would almost be never-ending because there would yeah. be so much to enthuse over. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, and I know some people that might seem a bit wacky, but that is just part of the the car enjoyment sometimes and and i think they can benefit from a remap maybe benefit from a few light modifications but if you are out there again i'd say that unless absolute speed is your thing and let's face it the country and the world is full of speed cameras and police officers that well precisely you you might be better off you already got outrageous horsepower just use that (laughs) yeah maybe trying to find what other characteristics the car can really offer you Mm-hmm. Is is more is more the tale here? Is more the the challenge? Um, Sam, do you want to say anything about it? Uh, no, because I've not driven one. No, like I think, do you know what I was a bit gutted is when I took that one out for an hour, I drove past where you were working at the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I did think to myself, I thought, I just wonder if I've got enough time to nip it. You were working, so yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. you could probably. I mean, if I turned up in that, I'm sure you'd have just ran out and yeah. spent five minutes. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, I wonder if I can do that. And I was like, I don't know if he's got a tracker on it and. If yeah. one of someone no, he knows says, it. "Oh, one of your employees was out," in it. I know you let him have a go in it, but he was out showing off to his mate in a car park. Yeah, I thought, mm. so <laughs> uh, unfortunate. But we'll, we'll have to at some point try and get a, a track yeah. there or something. Sounds like an idea. Or one of our listeners who buys one, they might might say, "Yeah, to just us, lend it to us." Yeah, yeah, and we can uh, <laughs> Sam can have a, have a go in it, and we can talk about it a bit more enthusiastically. Sounds like a plan. Anything else for this podcast, Sam? Not for me. Oh, is there anything more from me? I doubt it. No, no, you know what? He's he's <laughs> you've seen. You, you've ticked off the books. So he's seen so. my my notes, ladies and gentlemen. He's seen that they are all uh, crossed off, which is a rare achievement for us. It actually. is. Congratulations to us. Yeah, well done. We should give the bell a ring. Yeah. I'm not going to reach. I'll, I'll creak something again. Yeah. <laughs> my 747 model is still on the on the deck. Still, it's still in for repair. Yeah, still. Yeah. Did you uh, just just quickly? I know this is plain news, nothing to do with automotive, but. Just get, hold on for us for a, for a minute, listeners. Do you know the the uh, the Myria, the the mm-hmm. two two uh, Antonov two two five, which yeah. was blown up in the terrible war that's happening? Um, that was in. There's a the chief pilot of that air, aircraft has said that Antonov could have got that plane out. Yeah, and they I didn't know this. They managed to get six of the Antonov. Sorry, so the two Antonov two two five was the largest aircraft at the time in the world. It was what carried. The space shuttle, the Russian space shuttle, like forty yeah. years ago during the Soviet Union, um, the Americans did it with a Boeing seven four seven. It was mm-hmm. modified. The it was it was blown up and destroyed. It had six engines. So it was quite an incredible sight, and you yeah, you go to an airport to see it if it ever landed at one. But it was only ever chartered for really heavy stuff. And they had the one two four, which was a slightly smaller one. They got six of the one two fours out. There was another one two four that was blown up because it was in for heavy maintenance. They couldn't get it out. Yeah. But they're saying the this Antonov are claiming the two two five was in for heavy maintenance, and the chief pilot has come out with some quite clear evidence that no, it wasn't, and ah. they could have got it out. Oh, that's a shame. And from that, some top execs at Antonov who have been clearly found to have a load of Russian connections have been sacked. Wow. Because he was able to say, look, you know, 
you didn't get this out because of it could be used for whatever purposes. It was, I mean, it's a big cargo plane. That's all yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. Um, but I, just, I, I forgot to mention it to you, and I thought I won't tell you on the podcast. And I realised that we'll finish the podcast. I'll and say you'll forget. <laughs> yeah, I'll say well, that was quite a good one, mate. And we'll talk about this for a minute, and then before yeah. we know it, I'll be sat having a peach or something later tonight. And yeah. think, Oh, I forgot to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, I know to, now. <laughs> and, and and the listeners, if if any of you are interested in aviation, there's just a little bit, and and I'm sure you can go and look into it yourselves. And maybe there's more to that story. I heard that sort of three or four minutes worth of a a clip on YouTube. So I'm not saying that's all there is to it. I'm just saying that's what I heard. And if you want to look into it a bit more, you can do. There you go, Sam. Anything more for the podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, listen. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you do want to check us out, we've got the MilesDriven.com website. So we do have some clips going up onto YouTube. That's us on the podcast, uh, as well as a few other bits that we'll be putting up there yep. as time goes on. Uh, Sam does Facebook. So that's the Miles Driven on Facebook. So if you want to get hold of us, it's Sam on the Miles Driven Facebook page and it's me you on the Instagram on the Instagram page, uh, with both the Miles Driven. We're not using, we do have a Twitter account, but neither of us are on there very it's often. It's just in reserve. It's just, it's just in reserve. So uh, yeah, if you do want to send a question in or anything, it's best to do it on there. Or you can go to the website and fill in the form and, and sort of send an email in that way. But otherwise, thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers. Cheers.